0: I'm Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 29. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, when I started the podcast, I told you that every once in a while, I was going to give you a little what's on my nightstand window into the books that I'm reading, and I thought I would do that today. We haven't done it for a while. So I thought I'd start with um, some biographies that I'm reading. I'm always reading biographies. I just never tire of reading them and seeing what people who've gone before us have done in their lives, the events that have shaped them, and then they in turn have shaped our world, our culture, our history. So one of my heroes has always been Teddy Roosevelt. So I'm kind of reading three books at a time on him, which isn't unusual. So it started with me reading a book by Albert Marin, M-A-R-R-I-N. He's a lovely... um, author and biographer, and boys love his books. So if you have sons that are looking for some books that will really grab them, Albert Maron's books are unsurpassed. But this book is called The Great Adventure, Theodore Roosevelt and the Rise of Modern America by Albert Maron. And it's um, one of the many biographies that he wrote. He also wrote one on George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Sitting Bull, Andrew Jackson, and so many others, Hitler, Stalin. He was a very prolific author. And um, I just love his book. He talks about how the contribution that Teddy Roosevelt made to conservation in America and to our national parks and really without them we without him i should say we really would not have the park system that we know today places like yellowstone and other amazing yosemite places that have shaped really the culture of our nation um it was really teddy roosevelt that was a huge part of embracing conservation and naturalism and uh, protecting Uh, land that would be for the use of all the people of our nation. What What a great legacy he left. I'm also reading a national bestseller that a friend at church loaned me called Teddy Roosevelt's Darkest Journey, The River of Doubt, The River of Doubt by Candace Millard. It won the New York Times Book Review, notable book of the year. It's gotten a lot of great press. But it's really an amazing story of how Teddy Roosevelt went down the Amazon when it was completely uncharted. So he was uh, defeated in 1912. He was very discouraged after that. So he decided to find the most punishing physical challenge that he could find. And this was an area of the world that was completely uncharted. So he took his son, Kermit, and he went down to Brazil and he met with a famous explorer um, named Da Silva Rondon. And the things that he accomplished changed the history of the mapping of the Western Hemisphere forever. The things they went through will make you absolutely faint. Um, They lost their canoe. They were in Constant whitewater rapids, they endured starvation, attacks by Native Indians, disease, drowning, and a murder all in their team of people. Three men on their team died, and Roosevelt almost committed suicide. I mean, it's an amazing book. You couldn't make this stuff up. So get ready for, you know, reading under the covers with a flashlight. That's always my goal. Um, I think this book will really, really grab you. I haven't finished it yet, but it took about five years off my life to read it so far and talk about adventure and courage and heroism and things that I just think every boy loves to read, but don't limit it to your sons. And then an old book that I found on a friend's bookshelf recently And I was very interested in, it was uh, originally published in 1907. And it's just called Theodore Roosevelt, The Boy and the Man. Theodore Roosevelt, The Boy and the Man. It's by James Morgan. And I've just loved reading about um, Roosevelt's childhood and his years um, as a cowboy and, and what that all looked like. I mean, he truly was a modern day hero. And someone that I think our children would be so enriched by knowing and having someone to emulate. He was very human, but his courage, the things he overcame, particularly his lifelong childhood battle, really, with asthma. And he was raised in a very wealthy home. He was very loved. His father just adored him. But Teddy Roosevelt had such severe asthma that his father would strap him into their carriage in New York City and ride at breakneck speed through the city in the evening to try and force air into his lungs because he was suffocating from his asthma. And how he reinvented himself and made himself one of the strongest, most fearless men in the history of America coming from this very coddled, sickly position as a child, a man of great wealth, how he could have just, you know, sat on a cushion and smoked a pipe all the rest of his life, but instead he put himself into danger and harm's way in ways that, um, you know, all the TV shows, I guess, you know, this type of thing men are trying to do today. Well, he did it and did it, I think, better than anyone I've ever read about. So really recommend these books. Another man that had kind of a similar trajectory in the sense of his contribution to America was a man named John Muir, M-U-I-R. And if you have lived in the Bay Area or spent time there, Muir Woods is part of our country's um, preserved land. He was also a naturalist and a conservationist, but he also was a writer and a scholar. And one of my favorite books in the whole world is The Story of My Boyhood and Youth by John Muir. And I had not read this book in its entirety. I'd only read sections of it. And it just will, it will make you laugh out loud. And I thought it'd be fun to read a little section of it, which I just think is too good to be uh, not cheered. John Muir says this, he was raised um, in a very um, dour Scottish home. His father was a classic Scotsman, came from Scotland. They moved to Wisconsin and had a very rough life on the prairie, really worked hard and had not a single frill. His dad was a tough taskmaster, but this is a story of his childhood. I remember as a great and sudden discovery that the poetry of the Bible. Shakespeare and Milton was a source of inspiring, exhilarating, uplifting pleasure. And I became anxious to know all the poets, (coughs) excuse me, and saved up small sums to buy as many of their books as possible. Within three or four years, I was the proud possessor of parts of Shakespeare's, Milton's, Cowper's, Henry Kirk, White's, Campbell's, Ackenside's works and quite a number of others. Actually, it's pronounced Cooper's. I didn't realize the name as it was coming up to me and quite a number of others seldom read nowadays. I think it was in my 50th, 15th Sorry, year that I began to relish good literature with enthusiasm and smack my lips over favorite lines. But there was desperately little time for reading, even in the winter evenings, only a few stolen minutes now and then. Father's strict rule was straight to bed immediately after family worship, which in winter was usually over by eight o'clock. I was in the habit of lingering in the kitchen with a book and candle after the rest of the family had retired and considered myself fortunate if I got five minutes reading before Father noticed the light and ordered me to bed in order that, of course, I immediately obeyed. But night after night, I tried to steal minutes in the same lingering way. And how keenly precious those minutes were, few nowadays can know. Father failed perhaps two or three times in a whole winter to notice my light for nearly 10 minutes. Magnificent golden blocks of time long to remember like holidays or geological periods. One evening when I was reading church history, Father was particularly irritable and called out with hope-killing emphasis, John, go to bed. "'Must I give you a separate order every night "'to get you to go to bed? Now I'll have no irregularity in the family. "'You must go when the rest go, "'and without my having to tell you.'" Then, as an afterthought, as if judging that his words and tone of voice were too severe for so pardonable an offense as reading a religious book, he unwarily added, "'If you will read, get up in the morning and read. "'You may get up in the morning as early as you like.'" That night I went to bed wishing with all my heart and soul that somebody or something might call me out of sleep to avail myself of this wonderful indulgence, and next morning, to my joyful surprise, I awoke before father called me. A boy sleeps soundly after working all day in the snowy woods. But that frosty morning, I sprang out of bed as if called by a trumpet blast, rushed downstairs, scarce feeling my blains, enormously eager to see how much time I'd won. And when I held up my candle to a little clock that stood on a bracket in the kitchen, I found that it was only one o'clock. I had gained five hours, almost half a day. Five hours? To myself, I said, five huge solid hours. I can hardly think of any other event in my life, any discovery I ever made that gave birth to joy so transportingly glorious as the possession of these five frosty hours. So I highly recommend this book. It would be a great read aloud with your children and, and again, just the exposure to the shaping of a man who really shaped our national culture and the whole issue of conservation and, and naturalism. Are you new to homeschooling and feeling overwhelmed? Do you need a shot of encouragement to help you focus on what matters most? I created a brand new resource for you. It's called Homeschool Simple. And safe. In this two-hour seminar, I'll give you the framework to understand my literature-based approach to education and the basic tools to get started, whether your child is in kindergarten, 12th grade, or anywhere in between. In Homeschool Simple and Safe, I share an educational philosophy to build upon, practical tips for success, what homeschooling is not, and the nuts and bolts of a typical homeschool day. For only $45, you receive a downloadable video recording of the seminar and a four-page handout that lists recommended books and curriculum relevant to all ages and grade levels. Both of these resources are yours indefinitely. You always have access to them. Let's start this homeschooling journey together. To get access to Homeschool Simple and Safe, visit my online store or click the link below. Now back to the show. And then I've been reading um, what my favorite author, who I never stop reading, but I was kind of looking for something I hadn't read in a long time. And her name is Elizabeth Googe. I've mentioned her in a previous podcast multiple times, actually. Her name is spelled G-O-U-D-G-E, Elizabeth Googe, but her name in Britain is actually pronounced Goose. And she was a very prolific short story writer. And she published here in America as well in magazines like McCall's and Ladies Home Journal and things that were very popular magazines in the 40s, 50s, and early 60s. And some of her short stories have been compiled into, um, you know, kind of... uh, Um, I can't even think of the word where you put them together. (laughs) But um, so she wrote some really top notch ones. And I loved one that's called A Shepherd and A Shepherdess in this uh, compilation of her short stories, which is called Peddler's Pack. And it's a story of a lady named Miss Ada Gillespie, and she has kind of lost everything. She'd raised other people's children. She'd cared for her parents. She had lost her home. And she goes into an antique uh, store, and for some reason, she sees this beautiful shepherd and shepherdess and I don't want to ruin the story for you, but it is, it was really a delightful short story. And I just love Elizabeth Googe. When she's on her game, there's no one better. Um, but I want to close with a book that I think is very, very timely. And for the time in which we're living, which is the time of isolation and kind of the COVID um, epidemic that is sweeping our world and the isolation that that, that, Requires for many of us. And it's not a Christian book, and I want to make sure you know that ahead of time. So there are some definitely questionable um, practices in the book. So I just want to make that disclaimer clear. But it is one of the best written books I've read in a very long time. And believe it or not, I've just been reading it for the third time. I read it uh, about two years ago for the first time, maybe three years ago, and then I read it again right after I read it, which is very unusual for me. But I just loved it, and I loved the writing, and uh, I I really was learning a lot about character and history. So it's set in Russia right after the Russian Revolution and the overthrow of the aristocracy. And it's written about a gentleman, um, and it's called A Gentleman in Moscow. And the author's name is Amor Tol's T-O-W-L-E-S. And he, um, writes about this gentleman who is taken before the tribunal and instead of being shot Uh, He's a count, but he's also a very well-known poet. And they don't dare, for some reason, shoot him. And so he is sent, he's staying in the Metropole, which is a very famous hotel in Moscow, similar to the Ritz in Paris. And they said to him, "Uh, you may go back to the Metropole, you may never leave the door unless you want to be shot. So he goes back to the Metropole and he's used to staying in this grand suite with a sitting room and a bedroom and all sorts of beautiful heirlooms and antiques of his families. And when he gets there, uh, the police escort him upstairs to what probably would have been servants' quarters in the history of the hotel. And they put him in this little, tiny, tiny room. And that's where he is to remain. And he's fairly young and so he begins to carve out a life there at the metropole and he reads and he has a schedule and he goes to these the the luncheon uh, restaurant which is kind of a open restaurant where people from all over moscow come and then in the evening he goes to the elegant restaurant upstairs and he creates a life and he meets a young girl who's living at the Metropole. And his her father is some famous guy in the Communist Party, but she's pretty much left there alone with a nanny. And the Count, well, she kind of introduces herself to him and foists herself on him. And they become good friends. And they do a lot of exploring and there's a lot of mischief. And there's kind of a world within a world at the hotel because, of course the service areas of the hotel, which most guests never see, she introduces him to, and she has a key, and they explore it. And he um, has all these different relationships with people on the staff there. They become very close friends. He has a romantic relationship. He um, Then as the years go on, he's literally got a death sentence to live at the Metropole for the rest of his life, his best friend, who's a famous poet, um, is persecuted and sent to Siberia and just breaks his heart. It's his very, very best friend. And then, um, the little girl that he had kind of helped raise, uh, becomes very involved in the communist party and he doesn't see her for many years. And then she comes back and asks if he would take care of her daughter. Her daughter is, um, I think five or six years old and, uh, the mother has to go to Siberia to follow her husband who is being punished by the party. And so the count, who's never really had any involvement with a child, um, his sister was his very best friend. So he, he did have some experience with, with a young lady in that way. But the count has to raise this little girl. And it's supposed to be just for like six months. But of course, that doesn't happen. And so he begins to um, raise her and all the adjustments that are involved in that. And as she gets older, um, she becomes a musical prodigy and I don't want to ruin, you know, the end of the story for you. It's really exciting and and delightful. He becomes, um, very, uh, one of the party members, a high ranking member in the communist party begins to, um, ask him if he would meet with him weekly to have dinner. And just the two of them in one of the ballrooms all by themselves. And that he wants the Count to teach him about culture and history and music and art and film. And they learn, he teaches him different languages, English, French, German. And it's just this delightful relationship that they have as he's a mentor. And then eventually he starts to work in the hotel as as the head waiter, and all of you know the experiences with the other staff members and how they build this community and this sense of intimacy. But it's such a great book to read, as you are, you know, maybe feeling more circumscribed in your experience and in your travels and in your relationships. And toward the end of the book. The, his best friend's wife comes and tells him that his best friend has died in Siberia. And, and he realizes that by being sentenced to this limited circumscribed life, that he actually, as he says, is the luckiest man in the world. And because it has been this wonderful, rich experience, very different than what he would have lived had he been allowed to live the traveled, culturally um, rich life that he'd had before, his life would have actually been very superficial. But because he had to kind of bear down and focus, that actually his entire life was enriched and changed. And so I love the book. I love the writing. I love the things that he shares, the discoveries that he makes, the relationships that he has. And I think it's a real inspiration for us that instead of complaining about what we don't have, using this time to be fruitful and to go deep in our lives, in our relationships, in the things that we do have at our disposal, the books in our libraries, the um, maybe church experiences that we are allowed to have, the familial relationships that we can really in Really invest in at a higher level than just running the constant kind of rat um, wheel that many of us are on when things are normal. So I highly recommend A Gentleman in Moscow by Tolls, T O W L E S. Thank you for joining me this week on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. If you liked what you heard in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating and a review on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help too. Visit my website, Carol with an E, JoySide, S-E-I-D, CarolJoySide.com to subscribe to our weekly emails and receive exclusive discounts in my online store where seminars and interviews are available for purchase. Be sure to tune in next week for my next episode where I help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Blessings.